This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is Tawny from the Dirty Bits Podcast, and you're listening to Busted Wide Open on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. But if this is your first time joining us, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 53. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous over here wielding the upright base that I will be holding for the rest of the show in yes. my lap. We are one week closer to Elimination Chamber and Fastlane over in the WWE. And we got a quite an entertaining week of sports entertainment to talk about. Yes, uh, absolutely. I, I had a great time watching all of the shows this week. I, I really don't have... A lot of gripes overall about the the week of sports entertainment that we had. I mean, there, there's no doubt we're going to have to gripe a little bit about SmackDown. It's hard to not see that show as being in kind of a rut, but we'll get to that. We will get to that. Before we get to that, we got to talk about the big news. Oh, breaking news. Hot off the presses. First thing this morning, uh, Rich Swan. And WWE have, I'm going to do air quotes here and say, mutually parted ways. And as we've known coming into this, uh, there was uh, accusations, charges were pressed, filed, whatever you want to say there, that he was, for domestic violence, that he was beating up his, his girlfriend or significant other. Dragging around or whatever Dra- it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, those charges were dropped. Yeah. Those were dropped. Uh, nothing's going to come of that legally, uh, but he was still suspended. Uh, that was the last thing that we had heard. And then as of this morning, as you said, we got a press release from WWE saying they had mutually decided to part ways. Now, there's a couple of different things that we can look at here. One, let's take that and look at how it was handled very recently with Enzo when he and WWE parted ways, which was he was future endeavored, but they did not wish him well in his future endeavors, whereas they did kind of say, hey, Rich, you know, best of luck to you. We'll see you on down the road, maybe. I think the the phraseology of how they discussed his release definitely i think definitely i think okay well that's that's not very clear i think that it, i think that it does leave open the possibility that at some point rich swan could make his way back to the wwe he's obviously got to go out clear up some things um work some indie shows and and you know build his brand back up and then come back i think that also part of it is looking at what wwe is doing with 205 live right now there really wasn't going to be able to be any plans with him uh in the cruiserweight uh, tournament that's going on right now so nothing till wrestlemania and then afterwards you know why would they hold on to him and pay him money for months and months and months where where they wouldn't be able to use him uh and then have difficulty bringing him back given the accusations that were levied against him sure 
Uh, I think I think it makes a sound business decision for them to let him go at this time, and then we'll see what happens down the road. They didn't have a lot of overhead, I guess you could say, capital to expend on making the case or justifying keeping him around, even with those there. And you can talk about the law and all speculate around that, about whether or not the charges were dropped or whether it was dismissed. I want to be clear that charges were dropped. It did, that does not mean that he did not do these things. It's innocent were until proven guilty, though. Understood, understood. But that does not mean that he did not do what was alleged. So I'm thinking that given the shakeup, the things that are turning right now over in in uh, 205 Live, that there wasn't a lot of room for them to to do that kind of stuff. No, I think there's no wiggle room for anyone right now on 205 Live. I think that's a that's a brand where you have to mind your p's and q's because the whole brand is you know kind of on the ropes. And they're bringing up new people from NXT to be in it. Uh, they're definitely they're pushing a different agenda on that show right now. It's less about you know kind of flashy characters and, yeah. and more about actual wrestling. Which let's be clear, Rich Swan is a fantastic wrestler, um, but he was definitely one of the forefront of the audience pleasing gimmickry that was going on under Vince. Sure. So I can see why he'd be one of the people they kind of said, you know what, we just don't want to deal with it. We're moving on right now. We'll see what happens in the future. Uh, that being said, you know, Rich is already in some ways back on his feet because he's already booked at a show. He's already booked at an indie event, uh, the big event in Queens, New York on March 10th uh, as per 411mania.com. So he's obviously moving on already. We'll probably see him here in L.A. at in PWG, which he was a big stalwart of for a while there. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not I, I don't feel too bad for him right now. I, I, I think there is a road back to him, unlike with Enzo, where I think we might never see him again in WWE. You know, the other thing we didn't bring up was um, we have to also keep in mind, maybe this was a decision on Rich's part. With everything, it wasn't. In mind. Yeah, they said mutual. Understood, but I Who mean, ma- you know, with the the failures, if you want to use that word, or the falling of two hundred five live, you have to think of yourself as an individual. Is this what you want to continue to invest in, or do you want to go back out to the indies and try to find success there? I, I wouldn't be surprised if to find out that this was kind of more. Hey, I understand. I got some some heat and some stuff going on right now. Let me go. I'm going to go out here and do my own thing for. Yeah, a while. I think the wording of of mutual decision definitely might play into yeah. that. Uh, in other news, Ivory was announced to be the newest member of the Hall of Fame this year, and I very much applaud that decision. That's I, an excellent, excellent choice. I think as soon as I heard it, I sent you a text, and I was just like, "Yes, yep. perfect choice." I I was wondering who the first female was going to be, female superstar was going to be into this year's Hall of Fame uh, class. Perfect, perfect, perfect choice for, I mean, spanning the entire 90s and into the early 2000s with those wonderful uh, Divas Championship feuds with Lita, uh, Trish Stratus. China. China. Which they showed a lot of footage of China in this, and they mentioned to her the ninth wonder of the world. They are definitely softening their stance on China, where she was, you know, they didn't mention her. Right. She was verboten for a while there, uh, and Triple H mentioned her on Raw 25 uh, in very glowing terms. Uh, and they're definitely presenting her as being a much a much bigger figure now that they're kind of ramping it back up. I can see her getting to the Hall of Fame next year if they keep this tack going of kind of slowly building her back into people's minds without all the baggage that was so recently in their minds about her. Uh, I think that in in the end, we will look back. A lot of people were really mad when she passed away that they didn't immediately put in their Hall of Fame. Yeah. And Triple H had some some words about it that people picked apart where he said, you know, we really can't because of some of the stuff that she did after after WWE. This was on the Stone Cold podcast, You're, that interview with Trips you're referring to? Uh, I think is where he talked about and it. And other places as well, yeah, where it was he was 
I think he was trying to play both sides against the middle yeah. where you know, he was trying to basically be political about it and say, like, we, we can't really right now. And I think we're going to look back on it and say, you know what, them waiting for a certain period of time for everything to cool down and they can create their own history of China That's a smart. little bit, like the, the propaganda of who she was, build that back up more and people will forget about some of the, the, the seedier stuff that happened with her towards the end there. Um, and I think that it will ultimately work out better and make it a bigger deal when she does get in. Sure. Uh, but getting back to Ivory, speaking of glowing, uh, Ivory is a great one because she it, she really is women's wrestling history. She was one of the of the women who was in Glow, you know, which is now a very you know big deal that they, now that they have the show on Netflix and everything, right. people were remembering that she was a part of that. She was a part of so much history, true history. And I did actually wonder for a minute. Uh, there was a lot of omissions from the Women's Royal Rumble. I wondered where Ivory was. It, 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 I mean, I, thinking about it, she probably is a little bit old to to still be going in the ring. I have no idea. I haven't seen her, obviously, in years. So I have no idea what shape she's in right now. Um, but she was definitely a, a little one of the older women's superstars back in the in the Attitude Era and and just afterwards. Yeah. So I can't imagine that she'd still be in ring shape per se. So I think it's I think all around, you know, they're doing a great job of calling attention to the bigger women figures in uh, the WWE's history. I think, so I, yeah, I think she's a fantastic choice. Well, c- continuing in this theme of the of women in wrestling, uh, Ronda Rousey is now set to sign her contract. At Elimination Chamber, I guess she's done filming her movie in in Colombia, and is now going to come up and be uh, have an appearance for a contract signing at the pay per view. Yeah. When was the last time we had a contract signing at a pay per view? Uh, it, it has been a while. I, I think this is just a way to slow burn her into WrestleMania and into the company. They did say that she'll become a Raw superstar, which it does make sense. They seem to have a lot of their bigger hitters over there, except for Charlotte. Um, so it does make sense, uh, and I, I do want to talk about something later in the show where I think that the rosters will be changing soon. Mm-hmm. I think they need to do a shake-up, if you will. Um, well, let's talk about that now. Well, we will. We will. We'll, we'll get to that in one second. I want to okay. point out one more thing before we sure. do, and that is that I, I you know, you, it's rare that contract signings occur in WWE without some sort of skullduggery and shenaniganry going on as well. Right. So my question is, when she signs this contract... Who gets up in her face? Is this just going to be like her coming out and signing a contract and yay, that's it? I think not. I think something's going to happen. And if it does, I think it will give us an idea of what's going to happen with her at WrestleMania. I, I have no idea, to be honest with you, because none of it would make any sense as, as per current storyline that I can think of in my head, unless it's with management, somebody in management, Stephanie or something like that. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking because that's definitely one of the big options people are considering for WrestleMania for this year for her is put her in the ring with someone safe like Stephanie and let the most of the work be done by somebody else. Like they're saying possible tag team partners like Triple H and The Rock or something like that. I could see that. You know what I mean? So we, we will we will know basically what her future holds probably at Elimination Chamber. Uh, but getting back to, I think, what you were just referencing yes. as far as superstar shakeups. Mm-hmm. So, it's been a minute. We, we need one. Well, we definitely need one, but WWE might have a different idea. It was recently reported that Backlash, the pay-per-view after WrestleMania, uh, which was originally scheduled to be a raw pay-per-view, is now going to be both brands. It's being advertised as both brands being on this pay-per-view. And this has led to a lot of speculation. Uh, people are uh, uh, wrestling observer news, for example, has started speculating that going forward, all of the pay-per-views will be co-branded. We will not have individual brands on the pay-per-view. Um, I can see 
pluses and minuses to that. Okay. Uh, if you have both brands on the pay-per-view, it, may, it means that both brands will be building the storylines quicker. Uh, you'll be having payoffs to storylines faster. We won't have these things happening like what we're having on SmackDown right now where it's just a million years to the next pay-per-view and everything's just kind of stagnating and not really going anywhere because they can't pay off anything, it seems, these days unless it's on a pay-per-view as a way to drive people to their network. Yeah. But um, in it, but that means, like, what they're saying is that means everyone is going to be four hours plus a one-hour pre-show. So they're sure. going to be huge. Everyone's going to be a big pay-per-view. But it also means there's going to be less guys who have matches on these pay-per-views, less guys and girls. And that means that these huge bloated rosters that they have, a lot of people aren't going to be getting the same kind of exposure that they were with the dual-branded paper, uh, pay-per-views. Well, let me put some positive spin on that. In, in my opinion, I, I agree mostly with what you're, what you're getting at there. In my eyes, though, I'm looking at this as opportunity. Uh, I see this as a chance for the belts to switch brands a, l- a few more times. I don't know if they're fully going to like mold the brands together rather than just co- running com- two completely separate trucks. But if they're just doing crossovers like they do on the big four pay-per-views, I'm kind of okay with that because it gives the chances to build feuds cross-brand where you could have the titles come back and forth to the different shows. Well, if they, But if they go to the format that they did, that they had in the early 2000s, it was you have a SmackDown match. You have a raw match, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's what not, I'm scared of. I don't want that. But that's what I suspect will happen. Uh. That being said, we have no confirmation that any other pay-per-view besides Backlash is going to be both brands. So one theory I have, and I think this would be a smart thing on their part, is to have Backlash be a pay-per-view that is about re-splitting the brands. And a lot of the matches are based on who's going to what brand. Mm. It's a, a, a superstar shakeup, if you will. Um that happens somewhere at or around that pay-per-view or it's involved in that pay-per-view somehow. And then going forward, we go back to the, the individual pay-per-views by brand, but that this pay-per-view is somehow involved in that shakeup. Well, lots to keep in mind there. We'll definitely keep you guys up to date on that as we get closer to and beyond WrestleMania and head towards Backlash. But there's a lot to talk about before we get there as we are on the road to WrestleMania. So let's kick things off by heading over and talking about Monday Night Raw. Well, this week on Monday Night Raw, something happened. Unless you were trapped in Uncle Touchy's naked puzzle basement, you have you have to have seen it in some sort of meme online. Yeah. Uh, probably, I would argue, one of the greatest sports entertainment moments in recent memory. Uh, not rest. We've had a lot of good wrestling. This is pure sports entertainment. Yeah. This was insane. Uh, we had a segment this Monday Night Raw. I'll, I'll, I'll lead you into it if you don't know. Elias came out once more and did his brilliant shtick, uh, put down the people of California, had a great little song. Uh, it was so funny. Even the announcers were had their mics were still hot and they were cracking up. Uh, and as he's talking about all of his opponents or singing about all of his opponents in the uh, upcoming Elimination Chamber match, all of a sudden the announcer cuts in and says, ladies and gentlemen, Braun Strowman. And uh, I, I have to commend Kevin Dunn here. The camera work was really good. We get a nice wide shot of Elias sitting in the ring with his spotlight on him. And all of a sudden, a spotlight comes up at the top of the ramp. And there's big old Braun Strowman sitting on a stool with a microphone at the top of the ramp. And everyone's cheering and kind of going, what the hell is going on? And then Braun, with a little smirk on his face, steps off to the side out of the light and comes back with a goddamn double bass. 
Stand up bass. Stand up bass. I, I, I want to point this out for everyone online who's calling it a cello. It's not a cello. It's not a damn cello. A it's cello twice is the size of a, a cello. cello is quite a bit smaller for one, and the neck is different. The neck, uh, the double bass is a little bit more. It's got like a. Uh, it's kind of slides downwards. A cello goes in and then comes perpendicularly out to the body. Right. This was a de- this was a double bass, the largest stringed instrument there is, and he put it on his knee like a guitar, and started picking at it. Uh, until he broke off the bridge and it just fell apart and just (laughs) (laughs) which i thought like it obviously wasn't supposed to happen but it kind of makes everything a little bit more perfect yes and the image of this giant dude with this giant stringed instrument on his knee and then he begins to sing he begins to goddamn sing (laughs) i i was in tears i've been i've been smiling ear to ear all week waiting to talk about this because this is You guys know how much I love Braun Strowman. And you could certainly bring up the question of whether or not this was good for his character, like in in kayfabe or whatever, about him being just this unstoppable monster. Sure. But I like the fact that uh, I think we first started seeing it when uh, they were promoting the Mix Max Challenge with him and Alexa Bliss at first, he was doing these little side kooky things with her about how to lift a car and showing all. his character, showing yes. like showing like a more you know accessible side to his character, if you will. And I, and I I liked that part of this because it came right back as soon as Elias walked up the ramp to kind of come and get him he got vicious monster again and he blasted that double base over Elias's back and it shattered into if you think Elias's little guitar shatters into a bunch of pieces this thing went into a million pieces and went everywhere so this is this is the thing that to me everyone who's complaining about this breaking bronze character for me this in in so many ways was such a great addition to his character we now know that this giant monster who basically if you if you piss him off and cross him he'll just he'll flip over announce tape like the whole announce area yeah he'll flip over an ambulance or a mac truck uh he'll eat your cake but you know it but he also has this kind of little bit more humorous side and he can sing this, uh but this is com- but then but then he turns around as you said comes down beats the utter crap out of elias in the ring and then as elias is crawling away he get, he destroys this he's walking up the ramp with this giant double base slung over his shoulder like 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 you know, some character from Dark Souls with a, with a huge, like a huge weapon. Yeah. And he breaks it over him, as you said, and it, it looked vicious and insane. It was another big destruction spot, which is what he's become known for. In a lot of ways, this was so good for his character. And he's got so much charisma that he's never had a chance to show. And this was such a good way to, to lean into that a little bit and make him more of a fan favorite and be a, it's a good face moment for him. It was. It really was. And you know, as vicious and as monstrous and as as the way you want to look at it, to me, this was kind of the culmination of him really harnessing that kind of face mentality, face character. I think this was, this was, I don't know if it was the culmination, but I think this was a gear shift. This is definitely, he's shifting into a higher gear. Big time. With this. For me, I would relate this to something like uh, comparing ruthless aggression, Kurt to the little cowboy hat, Uh, something along those lines. It's two different sides of the same character. I'd say it's almost like Kurt with the milk truck or, or, or stone cold with the Zamboni. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a stunt. It's goofy. But it still doesn't take away from the fact this guy is a monster who will kill you. Yes. Uh, you know, and I don't think this is going to lead to a, a feud. I think this is just something to lead to elimination chamber. I don't know if they'll have a feud after that. It was just Elias was convenient. It was such a beautiful, just visual juxtaposition of Elias in the ring with his guitar and Braun up on the stage with his double bass. It's just such a beautiful visual uh, image to get on your screen. Uh, I think that was just it was just for that. I was on my couch screaming, who did this? 
Who did this? Yes. Whose idea was this? You're a genius. Give them a raise. Yep. And if you've not been connected to the internet or on any of the forums, go out there and look for all of the different memes. And there's funny album cover mock-ups about, you know, oh, God. Uh, Braun Strowman featuring songs, Get These Hands, and <laughs> Going All the Way featuring Alexa Bliss. And it's so, so, so good. Oh, um, memes make me roll my eyes sometimes, but these are, I, I, I couldn't help but laugh. Me either. And, you know, if you, the more you think about it, Braun Strowman is all about that base, all about that base. No oh, trouble. God. No is, is it fair to say that he should change the name to Braun Strowman? Oh. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> Stop it. Terrible. Terrible. This, this is almost as bad as me saying Rich Swan couldn't handle it. All, all right. right Low-hanging low fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Come on. Moving, <laughs> moving on. All right. Back to the plot. We had a plot on the show, too, and the plot involved... The fatal four-way match determined which of the four men who lost their respective qualifying matches yes. for the Elimination Chamber were going to get a second chance to be the sixth man entered into the Royal Rumble Chamber. So already in the match, guaranteed in the match, we have uh, Braun Strowman, yep. who beat Kane in the last man standing match. Yep. We've got Elias, who beat, uh, let's see, who did Elias beat to get in there? He beat Finn the, Balor? Uh, no, Cena beat Finn Balor. Yep. Uh, Roman Reigns beat Bray Wyatt. Uh, Elias, I guess, defeated... It was Matt Hardy, I believe. Matt Hardy, yes, yeah. sir. And then uh, you had The Miz, who beat Apollo Crews. Sure. Yeah. So that's so those are the four guys who are in this fatal four-way. Yep. was uh, Matt Hardy, Bray Wyatt, Apollo Crews, and Finn Balor. This week, Seth Rollins came out while uh, 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 Angle was basically giving us the update. Kurt was giving us the update on what was going on with Jason Jordan, who apparently is has had, you know, in, even in kayfabe, has had his surgeries out for a while. And yep. Kurt kind of berated the audience about being mean to his son, which I thought was interesting. You know, the audience kind of turned on Kurt a little bit. You know, that's that's how that's the poison that Jason Jordan is. Like he's such a good, just like swirly heel little bastard character that he's he's even making the crowd turn on Kurt. But Don't in this, talk about my dad. Yeah. Oh God, he's he's. I can't wait for him to come back. It'll unfortunately be after WrestleMania. Yeah. And Kurt did point that out, that he's missing his WrestleMania opportunity, and that's very sad. And it out of kayfabe, it is. I'm bummed for Jason Jordan, but if they keep doing what they've been doing with him, he'll be just fine. Yep. Great character work. So Seth comes out during this part, and uh, long story short, basically says, look, I got nothing to do right now. Um, can you please give me something to do? Uh, I, too, don't want to miss my WrestleMania moment. Can you do something about putting me in the elimination chamber? Like I'll qualify whatever you got to do. You know, I'll, I'll jump through hoops and Kurt goes fine, fine, fine breaks down and says, you will be inserted in the fatal four way tonight. So now it's a fatal five way. The four guys who lost their qualifying matches and Seth Rollins, uh, which I thought was a little forced, but fine. I was cool with it. Um, that being said, uh, this was an interesting outcome because we had, first of all, a great fatal five way. All these guys were fantastic. Everyone looked great in it. Uh, it was very exciting. Bray Wyatt was the big heel in the match. He and Matt Hardy had some good interactions. Uh, because I thought Bray looked great in this match. Bray looked fantastic in this yeah. match. It was, two, it was old Bray that we saw from like Elimination the, Chamber a year ago. Yeah, where he actually won the Elimination Chamber and was the champion. It yes. looked great. It was like, it, which was his last hurrah. <laughs> Before really? he went to the uh, Look, House of Horrors House match of Horrors and the, and the WrestleMania no! projecting worms on the ring, <laughs> Ugh, the, the, which was the final stake in the heart of that character for me. All right, but getting back to this match, Fatal 5-Way match, it ends with Bray being pinned by both Finn and Seth at the same time. 
And as everyone's, there's confusion in the ring, the ref doesn't know what to do, and everyone's confused, boom, the show ends. And I was like, what? what? Yeah. So I, I wasn't happy with how Raw went off the air. I thought it was a little abrupt and unsatisfying. Yep. But pretty quickly afterwards, they put out some stuff on social media where Kurt announced that now the Elimination Chamber, instead of being a six-way match, as it's traditionally been, it will be a seven-way match. It'll be a, I don't know if they're going to do a seven-sided Elimination Chamber or how they're like, two guys are going to snuggle up in one chamber. I have no uh, yeah, idea. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Are they gonna, is it going to turn into like a true septagon i guess you'd, you'd have like oh, seven God. chambers now that guys come out of i don't know how this is gonna work it's madness it's chaos why do we have seven guys in a six-man match don't don't get all kofi kingston calling oh. a hexagon on me oh god uh but no so so all right I, i'm interested now we've got uh that being said let's let's look at this with clear eyes i it's pretty much i don't think anyone thinks roman reigns is not winning this thing Right, like if you think Roman Reigns is not winning, you're raising your hand. Yes, you think he's not winning this. I do not think he is winning this. Right, because you think Cena is going to WrestleMania. I think Cena is going to WrestleMania. Right, right, right. Okay, well this will this will come down to be interesting when we have our picks next week for the Elimination Chamber on our Go Home Show. But uh, so now we have seven guys in this match. You got the Miz, who's the Intercontinental Champion. You have Seth Rollins. You've got Roman Reigns. You have John Cena, Braun Strowman, Elias, and Finn Balor, all in this match. Uh, obviously. We have a disagreement. I think it's Roman. You think it's John Cena. But really, I don't think anybody else from this reasonably could be going to WrestleMania to one-on-one against Brock Lesnar. I think Braun could be a wild card, if I'm being honest. I, I really be, think he could. I don't think it's going to be Roman. If they were, I, Here's the thing. I think that if WWE was going to make the smart choice, it would be to let go of Roman Reigns and have Braun Strowman be the guy to finally end Brock Lesnar's long winning streak and take the belt at WrestleMania and have a huge superstar moment. Yes. I think that would be the smartest thing they could do. I 100% agree. That would that would excite everybody. You don't have anybody on the Raw brand right now more over than Braun Strowman. Uh, looking at it completely clear-eyed, and Roman is such a controversial guy right now, You have you run the risk of having a WrestleMania Kind of like when he was fighting Triple H in, in WrestleMania 32, whatever it was, uh, where the audience just didn't care and they booed at the end. And that was one of the biggest crowds they ever had. Like, that's a bummer to have that go on. Um, and you don't have a way out like having Seth Rollins run in and take the briefcase this time. Exactly. So I think the smart choice would be Braun Strowman, but, you know, they're not known for making the smart choices. And it's like Vince has been building to this for a year. So, yeah, I agree. Braun could be the wild card. But uh, what? But my question is then: What happens with everybody else after the chamber? Who here are we seeing feuds being built for? Obviously, we saw in the Fatal Five way that uh, Matt and Bray will continue their feud. It looked like they still had unfinished business in this match. Uh, Apollo was kind of the odd, odd man out, which sucked because last week I said he was a wild card to win this match. Sure, uh, and go in the elimination chamber. Um, I could get behind Finn and Seth having having a, a segment, a story. I wonder if and they will have a, if they'll be if they will have a story where they are opponents or they are tag team. They, no, they become a tag team. I, I think those two work. I'd, this is tough to say. Seth works much better as the architect of the Shield. He works better in a tag team format. But he's a fantastic wrestler, and I like watching him work. And the I, two I, of them work really well together. That was where I was going, exactly. And I think it takes a special opponent to bring the best out of Seth in a single setting. And I think Finn could do that. Because both of those guys are fast, agile, speedy, high-flyer kind of guys. And they they would have a great program. Uh, I could also see Braun Strowman and Elias having a program. 
uh, having some kind of story beyond this, short as it might be, because we don't have Joe, we don't have Dean, we don't have anybody else right now that uh, that I think could go up against Braun that he hasn't decimated already. He but, just decimated Elias this week, too. Uh, well, I understand, <laughs> but those kinds of things are usually the tipping points that lead to story. So I, I like the I like the idea of setting up a, an Elias and Braun feud. It's a good old-fashioned heel-face kind of setup. Mm. But the size, if you can put the size aside. I, that's what I'm saying. You know, I don't really see a whole lot of excitement with that because it's been established that Elias just cannot hang in the ring with Braun Strowman. There's no, he doesn't bring anything to this feud. I mean, they would have to really establish that Elias somehow has a one-up on Braun, which they have in no way established up to this point. Sure, but they keep putting little guys up against Brock Lesnar and they keep putting little guys up against Braun. You consider anyway. Braun and Kane little guys? Before that. <laughs> Samoa Before Joe, that. I don't think, is a little guy. Fine, fine. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think... I'm going to be the one guy in the world that says it's not going to be Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I think it's going to be Braun or Cena. Okay. I've been been on the Cena train for the history-making aspect of it. You really have. You went all in on the Cena being... Like last summer. I I I, I saw that coming. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with that. Uh, I think Braun could be the wild card here, but I would not be surprised if they, as everybody else in the world expects... It ends up being Roman and Brock. Well, obviously, we will know more about the Elimination Chamber once, like next week. We'll take our picks and we'll we'll, we'll finalize all of this. But right now, it's a stacked limit, Elimination Chamber, and you know what happens after that. Going to WrestleMania, we'll probably know a lot more clearly after the match itself, seeing what kind of storylines they build yeah. in the actual match. And, and last year's Elimination Chamber, for the record, I remember us both commenting was you know really solid. It was it was, it was fantastic, a really good pay per view. One of my favorites of the year last year, yep. if I'm remembering right. And it's a shame that it's so early. So I'm, I've got high hopes and high expectations for this one again. Yeah, and that, but they've got a lot of talented guys in it, so we could have a really exciting one again. Although I don't think I think Bray winning last year was part of what made it so exciting. Was sure. it was like, and he also because he beat Cena and AJ clean. Remember that? Yes. He, that, that was a huge moment for him. But uh, another segment on the show, we had Cena versus the Miz to determine who was going to be coming into the Elimination Chamber first. Uh, I thought that as good as the Braun Strowman and Elias segment, and as good as a lot of the stuff. Leading up to the the four way match, the five way match was. I thought this was terrible. <laughs> this and this it's was a awful. shame too. These are arguably two of the best guys on the mic in the WWE, and they had kind of this lackluster. It felt like trying to choke down cough syrup. It was so forced. Well, it, because the and, logic, the, it was so illogical. Yeah. What they were trying to put over, you right. know, Cena was saying, "I don't you know if I don't win Elimination Chamber, I don't know if I have a WrestleMania." Yeah, okay, because WrestleMania isn't all about your legacy stars and old guys coming back and having big moments. Right. Cena, they'll find something for you <laughs> if it's not the championship match. Calm down, buddy. Right. Like, we're, no, no, no one's buying that, one. And then, two, Miz coming out and saying that uh, he's he thinks he can beat Brock with his brain. Like, you know, Miz has had moments of being delusional, but that's that, the way that he pre- presented that to us was just like... Yeah. Buddy, no, no, no. <laughs> so Cena pitches the idea of okay, let's have a match tonight, and we'll de- and whoever loses will be the one who comes out of the elimination chamber first. Since yeah. we're already both in it, let's settle this. Uh, whoever comes out first, and Cena ends up going over. Well, this was that- this was, that, that was the best part of the segment was Cena proposing the match, and then Miz saying, "You think I'm stupid? I'm not going to do that. I have I've got everything to lose here. I'm not going to do that." Miz Taraj attacks attack Cena, knocks him out. And then Miz says, okay, now we'll have that match. 
And then by the time the match actually starts, Cena's, you know, it's taken too long and Cena's kind of back into it. Right. Miz is able to fight upwards. Uh, interesting thing about all this with the match and the whole buildup to it, Miz looked really strong against Cena. Kicked out of an AA. Um, even though Cena came in at a disadvantage, Miz did look really strong against him. And it, uh, like with Finn, it took an avalanche AA to put him away, which uh, I thought was notable because they're establishing that as Cena's like final finisher, like his super finisher. Right. The one that puts everyone away. Who do you think is going to kick out of that? I'm just throwing that out there right now. When Roman <laughs> kicks out of an elimination chamber, just remember I said this. Uh, but anyway, so that, I thought that that whole part was good, and the match itself was really good. Yeah, it was. But just the build to it and the segment itself before that was, I thought, was trash. I, I think I went into it with high expectations because of how good on the mic those two guys are. Uh, it wasn't terrible. It was just it felt on the nose. It was and contrived. It was, it was underwhelming for them. Yeah, and I think that was because of the writing. Well, hey, let's head over to the women's division. We had a. Ooh, well, talk about going in with high expectations. Sasha Banks versus Bailey. I guess this is three I think this is three. Yeah, and the, three. you know they got a legendary match uh, and and legacy coming out of NXT. Sure. So see, anytime these two get in the ring with each other, there's there's pretty high expectations. And I got to say, it was it was a good match. Well, here's the thing: you can't expect a pay per view quality match on Monday Night Raw. They're not going to go all out like that. What they did give us was a fantastic TV match. Yes. Uh, and. Again, these women work really well together. There was a lot of story here. There was a lot of character work. Um, there was an extra added element of danger because Bailey was in her hometown again against Sasha. And not only does WWE love to have people lose in their hometown, but she lost in her hometown to Sasha last time. So a lot of added little layers to the story here. Sasha had some good work where she was she was being the heel boss again, and I loved that. And it worked really well because San Jose just hates them some Sasha Banks when she does that. <laughs> so that was great. I, I noticed the crowd was kind of dead for the for for Bailey especially this time. You thought I thought they were pretty over. Yeah, and maybe I so I watched the Hulu version and I just I saw people sitting and not a lot of people cheering and yeah I just it, I didn't, it was didn't the feel middle it. of a long show. But that being said, I I thought they were pretty hyped. They, they sounded very vocal. Okay, uh, to me at least, I don't know. But uh, but but in addition, I checked the ratings on the show, and this is this is in the second hour. The second hour of Raw this week was almost entirely women's segments. Yeah, and usually there's a major drop off in the second hour, and there was still a drop off, but it was not as significant as it normally is. Meaning people stuck around for it. Cool. So that was a good sign as well, um, as they should, because this is this is the women put on a good match. Absolutely. Uh, after the match, you had Bailey trying to go for a handshake or a hug, and Sasha thinking about it. You know, which I like because now we're still playing this, this like, is she or isn't she a heel? Is their friendship coming apart thing? And um, and then Nia Jax runs in, levels both of them, uh, and has a great promo at the top of the ramp saying, "That's right, I just took out both those chicks, and I'm coming for Oscar at Elimination Chamber." Great, we promote that match. But the thing I want to talk about here is that dynamic between Bailey and Sasha. Okay. We've been talking about Sasha potentially going heel for a long time. Obviously, yep. a lot of people want that. She, she is better as a heel. She works better as a heel. Um, I'm hearing scuttlebutt online right now Uh-oh. that they're thinking about turning Bailey heel. Uh, what? Right. That was my reaction as well. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. No. no. Guys, creative, listen. Uh, no, we know you listen. Just don't do that. <laughs> I, that's a, that would be so dumb because I don't know that she would even work. I You're having enough trouble getting her to be good as a baby face. It's, it's hard enough to keep Sami Zayn a heel right. over on SmackDown. Bailey is like the, the female version of that where you just it's hard to see her as a heel. Yeah. 
You well, can't be a mean hugger, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they'd have to make her kind of like the female equivalent of like a Jason Jordan, I would say. Uh, like something where she's just... She's whiny, got that, bratty. That, she got, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. I could see that, though, now that I say that. It would take a honest. lot... I'll put it this way. It would take a lot more work than just letting Sasha go goddamn heel. Because here's the thing. You make Sasha go full heel against Bailey just being Bailey. And you go back to that dynamic where Bailey feels like kind of the sweet underdog and Sasha's the mean opponent. Yep. And it makes Bailey more believable as a babyface and it makes it makes Sasha a more interesting character because she's just more interesting as a heel. Yeah. I think I don't think why screw with something that works so well is well, what I say to well, that. Well, this match had one of my spots of the week, uh, and it was the top rope Bailey to belly, uh, where Sasha Banks was two to three feet above the top rope, a flat on her back, and came all the way down. That was one of the best, like, belly-to-belly top rope spots that I've seen in a long the time. The belly-to-belly suplex is one that I think is an interesting move to talk about really quickly because okay. when they when she first had it in NXT, it didn't look that... It was like, really? A belly-to-belly is your finisher? Like, it's cute. You're hugging somebody and then slamming them down like it works with your character. From, a, like, a logical story standpoint, it works, but it doesn't look as good as it should. And she actually worked with MMA people to make it look more devastating. How do I do this to make it look more like a finisher? And she's gotten much better at it. It, She now is the way that she's working people's bodies around and turning them and making their legs kick up. She's making it look more like a, a strong move. This definitely was one of the best ones she's ever delivered. Yeah. It looked, and, and they gave us like a nice slow-mo replay and freeze frame of Sasha oh yeah. all the way up in the air. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at that going, oh my God. Yeah, it looked it like It almost she, like a flying urinagi or something like that where she was just slamming her down onto the that's mat. That's one of the things she worked on with it is yeah. instead of just a straight up belly to belly, it's become more of like halfway to a urinagi. Oh. And it's it, it looks a lot more devastating and it looked like she broke Sasha in half. Absolutely, and ultimately, that's how we ended up with the pin, and it was one, two, three, and then we got our Nia Jax spot. So this is all building to a lot of stuff. I'm curious to see how they're going to go with this. I see no way in hell they're turning Bailey heel. They absolutely 100% should turn Sasha heel or just let her go all the way. I can't say 100% Bailey's not going heel. I I have a bad history of saying 100% about anything, (laughs) Uh, but in this case especially, I I think it'd be a bad move. Uh, another match we had tonight was Roman Reigns versus Sheamus. Uh, kind of out of nowhere. I, this made little sense, except they had a backstage segment where Seth and Roman were talking, and then the bar came in to make fun of them, and then they made fun of the bar back, and it was very awkward, and it just kind of ended, and then we had a match come out of it. I Roman I, needed something to do tonight, I, Roman I guess. needed something to do, and what he was going to do was kick the crap out of poor Sheamus. Yep. Uh, I have to take exception to Seth Rollins here for insulting their skirts in the backstage segment. <laughs> that was those good. Are, those are kilts, you son of a bitch. As a Scot, I was offended by that. Seth Rollins definitely has some heat with me right now. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. Uh, well, one thing I want to call out here is we do know, I, forgive me for not knowing the exact medical term of what Seamus is dealing with. Spinal, Spinal stenosis. Display- stenosis. Spinal stenosis. I don't think it's a good idea for him to be jumping off the top rope into a spear by Roman Reigns God, that looked brutal. and getting folded in half. God, that looked brutal. For anybody with a spine injury, that has to have hurt. For a match that came out of nowhere and had no real meaning other than once again, it's the shield versus the, uh, the versus the bar. Once again, this was a really good match. It, it was, was hard hitting. It was fast paced. It was exciting. Uh, obviously, we always say like as down as we are on a lot of th- aspects about Roman Reigns. The dude can go in the ring. Sheamus, another guy who we can't say enough good things about. 
And speaking as you did about his spinal stenosis, I don't know if you heard the commentary really putting over Sheamus's history, talking about how underrated he was, how many championships he's won. He's won freaking everything, literally everything there is to win, except for the Intercontinental Championship. Literally everything. Multiple time mm. champion, uh, world champion. Uh, he's been king of the ring. He's been the money in the bank winner. Uh, he's been the Royal Rumble winner. Dude's done it all. Ms. So Sheamus program after WrestleMania? I mean, so this is what we talked about, I think, last week, the week before, was that, you know, if Sheamus is going to have to retire because of the spinal stenosis and he's just trying to muscle through to WrestleMania, I don't know how much more he has after that. No one really knows except for Sheamus how much more he has in him. I'll tell you right now, if he takes the spot like he did in this match where he gets where Roman spears the actual hell out of him, uh, you know, I don't know how much more he if he's just doing these spots because he's just like trying to make it trying to look good until the end. I don't know. I don't know how much more he has in him, but mm. you know, if he's as long as he can put on matches like this uh, without too much discomfort, I'd say keep going. Yeah, this was a stiff match yep. all around. It, it was, really well, he, was. He's always been really stiff. Yeah, and, it's, it's, it's and, and, and I was happy to see Roman kind of step up. You know, there was one spot. I think we you said uh, he gave him a good receipt after one good hit. Well, yeah, Sheamus. Sheamus gave him a pretty stiff one in the middle of the match, and yeah. I was like, don't worry, that spear at the end was definitely <laughs> Roman's way of saying nice we can tag, yeah. we can go hard, bro. It's all yeah. good. Uh, speaking of bros, we got to talk about the revival versus the Good Brothers, which hey. was uh, which another match. That feud is continuing. After, I'm okay with this. Uh, it's getting better. I was definitely not a fan of the Good Brothers squashing the revival at Raw 25, and now the Re- revival are going more towards their classic revival heel tactics. Um, their 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 squirrely ways of winning, them finding any way they can. A lot of fast moving tag psychology. Uh, we can absolutely continue this feud. Uh, I'm totally happy with this. These teams are, are now being uh, felt to be a little bit more on even playing field. Yep. Um, I, I like Carl Anderson being the hot tag. So yeah, I, I was definitely a fan of this. Uh, I hope it builds into a much more exciting feud. It still feels very much lower card. Yep. But uh, I think it's a good way to get the revival over as those sneaky bastard tag team heel sons of bitches. I think it's one of these two that has to come for the Raw Tag Team Championships next. Somebody. Somebody besides the freaking somebody. Yeah, everybody's hurt, and it's these. These are the last two guys left right now. And right? having these two the teams look strong against each other is going to be a good way of making someone look legitimate enough to face the bar. Well, as of now, we don't have a tag team championship match at Elimination Chamber. No, we got we one week to set something up, right? And I think you could pull it off here. You could put something together, maybe a triple threat against the bar with these two teams. Right, because we don't have enough multi-man matches here. Sure, sure. Let's get everybody out there. Well, hey, moving over back over to the women's division. We had uh, Alexa Bliss and Mickey James facing off against Absolution. I thought this was a weird pair up. It was kind of like we had the women with nothing to do, and we had to somehow shoehorn them into working together in in a match. Why is the champion in a in a tag team match? It was bizarre you know alexa bliss for some reason in this segment was trying to actually become friends with mickey james this is obviously more alexa bliss kind of you know trying to make friends and then stab him in the back later but didn't we just have a whole program with alexa bliss and well, mickey james and the I, old lady and all that yeah shit? they did they referenced that and i <laughs> like that i like that they were referencing history and mickey's like i haven't forgotten what you said about me yeah uh but alexa did kind of come to her aid and at the end of the match and everything so it was it was a little little weird, but... Uh, Does this have a future? Is this going to show up at Elimination oh, this is, this Chamber? Oh, this is four of the women in the Elimination Chamber. That's uh, all this was for, was okay. just these four are in the chamber. Uh, Mickey James eats the pin. Unsurprisingly, she's the one that they can, <laughs> they can have lose, because that's kind of what she does. But uh, yeah, this is just all these women pr- promoting that they're going to be in the chamber together. Mm. All that was for. 
Well, we've got one more show, one more week for the go-home show for Elimination Chamber. What does the WWE have planned for the go-home? Do you have any uh, ideas here? As you said, we need more matches. We don't have a tag team match yet. I think the only matches that we really know that exist are the two chamber matches, and Nia Jax versus Asuka, and that's all I can think of. Yeah, I don't think they've booked anything else. uh, Off the top of my head, I cannot think of any other matches that we have. Hmm. It's going to be an interesting go home show next week. So. Yeah, I think we're. I, I hopefully will be uh, packed with a lot of stuff that will set up. Oh, you know what? Might have Bray Wyatt versus Matt Hardy. Mm. That might be one that we have, okay. but, it ha- but it hasn't been announced. No. All right. So there you go. Well, hey, Elimination Chamber isn't the only pay per view we've got coming up. We're also on our way to Fast Lane, but to talk about that one, we've got to go over and talk about SmackDown Live. <laughs> Fast Lane. Yeah, oh, it couldn't come any slower. Right. Uh, Smack, so SmackDown, people have been getting apoplectic online about the quality of SmackDown Live. And to that, I say, calm yeah. down. It's not that bad. It's not the end of the world. It's not, it's not doing great. There is definitely something wrong in the kingdom of Denmark here. Uh, I can't tell if it's just bad booking or something that's just not clicking. But somehow, a lot of the superstars here don't feel like that big of a deal yeah does that make sense yes absolutely but here's my thing that i'm hung up on we had a very little tiny smidge of a thing of shane mcmahon and daniel bryan this week and as much as they've pushed this as much as they've made smackdown live about this one large gigantic swirling feud we had that only had that one little backstage spot and then no aj styles this week and kind of meh matches that just poofed out of nowhere all leading to some craziness that is pitting AJ Styles against half the friggin' roster. Well, and this is the WWE let's, Championship. Let's break down exactly what happened on SmackDown this week, but because sorry, I'm a little wound up and upset. Absolutely, about it. and and I agree. I, I as I said last week, I think that SmackDown should be having, you know, in in terms of the plot of the feud, we should be having major strides be made. And I think that although you could argue that the the change up to the main event of Fastlane this week was a step forward. It didn't feel like a step forward in terms of development of the characters in this plot line. Okay, uh, you had little movements again. You had little shifting. You know, like like we we've established that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are this way, and 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 Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon are still kind of on the wrong foot. We established that again, um, and it's got to the point now where if somehow we end up with Daniel Bryan back in the ring at the end of this, we'll look back and not know if it was worth it because, frankly, in the meantime. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have started to feel like a lot less of a big deal. Uh, and, and everyone else on the roster as well as just doesn't feel like you know, that, that like if they were, any of these guys were on Raw, they wouldn't feel like they were deserved to be in the main event like some of the guys over there do. Yeah. Um, and let's let's break down the show itself. Sure. So we were supposed to at the top of the show have a match between the a returning Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin. And we'll talk about Dolph in a second. Uh, but they were supposed to have a match where the winner would become inserted into the triple threat match and make it a fatal four-way at Fastlane for the championship with AJ Styles. The WWE Championship, to be clear. Yep. Like, all of a sudden. Yeah. All of a sudden, Baron Corbin has a chance to be WWE. Ch- what? Yeah, and they did mention at a certain point in the show that he has squandered opportunities before. Now is a chance to not squander, blah, 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 blah. It, w- it made little sense to have these two guys suddenly get an opportunity. And part of that plays into the kayfabe idea that Shane is just grasping at straws to try and, you know, get one back at Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. It's still, but that's the, that's the problem is it, it still feels light. It doesn't feel like it has any weight to it. 
Uh, the match never happened because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn came out, disrupted it, beat up both guys. Uh, and then as a result, Shane angrily books two matches later in the evening. Dolph Ziggler versus uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus Baron Corbin. If Corbin or Ziggler win their respective matches, then they are inserted into the match at Fastlane, making it a four-way or five-way. <sighs> I hope I got all that out. Oh, and by the way, if either one of them inter- interferes with the other's match, they are automatically yeah, eliminated. Yeah, the stipulation, sure, Shane yeah. getting back at them, whatever. The the bottom line is is that once again we had these two we had these two guys we had Corbin and Ziggler who really had nothing to do with this feud now they're all of a sudden inserted into this feud. Uh, long story short, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn both lost their respective matches. Ziggler and Corbin are both now in the main event of Fastlane. It's a fatal five way, which to, <laughs> which is right. What? I, what? I, I literally is, can't even. I'm just going to say that. I just so, I literally can't Kevin even. Owens loses clean to Baron Corbin, which to me, as you said, Baron Corbin squandered opportunity after opportunity. Like we, we've we said he's a killer. We know he can put away dudes, but he keeps losing big matches. And here he's able to beat a former universal champion and multi-time champion in Kevin Owens. Uh, really, it makes it feel like a big step down for Kevin Owens. Takes away from... Our, our belief in him. Like, remember how scary he was when he first came out to WWE, like the main like roster? Coming out of N- NXT, he, yeah. I was terrifying. Yeah. Now he does not, he, now he feels very much second tier. Yeah. Uh, Sami Zayn and Dolph Ziggler had a great match. Fantastic, really well worked match. Got the crowd super into it. Uh, and Sami also lost clean to Dolph Ziggler. Now, Ziggler can obviously, he has kept some sort of prestige to himself uh, where you feel like he can win a big match. Yeah. So it didn't. It felt like Sammy was hanging in there with a with a with a bigger dude, but neither of them feel like that big of a deal because Dolph Ziggler is Dolph Ziggler and has been booked in a Dolph Ziggler style, which I think is be, should become a thing. Like we just call it. Oh, he's being booked like Ziggler. You know, a guy who gets stop start pushes. Yeah, where it's like, oh, we get pushed to the moon and then just disappears. Yeah, for six weeks, seven weeks, whatever he was gone. Um, real- seven, seven weeks. They said it about twenty seven times in the commentary. <laughs> Yeah, seven weeks while he was renegotiating his contract because he wanted out, and they said, well, we'll give you $3 million for two years, and you can do whatever you want when you're not being booked for WWE. And he said, oh, I can't really turn that down. No shit. <laughs> and he came back. He's like, who do you want me to put over, <laughs> supposedly? Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, this all, like I said, to, to reuse the word I used earlier, it feels very lightweight. Well, it, where I get confused is they had so much invested in the McMahon, Bryan, uh, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn thing kind of all swimming around AJ Styles and I was in on that. You've had me for the past two, three months now on that thing. The insertion of Corbin and Ziggler is where it lost me. Well, uh, and I'm going to remember that moment this week as the thing that kind of tore it apart because they were onto something really good there. And I'm hoping that they can still pull it out. There's no effing way in hell they're putting that belt on either one of those two guys. So I don't understand the point of inserting them into this and taking the prestige away from Styles, Owens, and Zayn. Because that's where it should be, and that's what I'm saying. Is it, I feel like it's bringing down everyone here, including yeah, it's AJ it Styles. That's a great because way to he do it. hasn't he has not felt like such a big deal in this feud either. Where he's kind of like he's saying, "Look, I'll fight these guys because I'm that's who I am." But he's also kind of whining. They're having him whine about you know the management's really kind of screwing me over with these championship belts, man. What's going on? Wah, wah, wah. You know, and it doesn't feel like like with when Brock and Paul whine about the the way that they book Brock, which comes across more as just chafing about it. Yeah. Uh, This feels more like AJ just kind of being huffy, and that's just partly in his delivery, but 
then in his the way that last week he um, he attacked Sami Zayn after the match, yeah. uh, during the match, excuse me, and that felt like AJ lost his temper. It it doesn't it's it's pulling AJ Styles' character down even, and this guy should be your number one dude, your your A lister. And it's it's making him feel like less of a big deal. And if even if he does win this fatal five way, it's I mean, it's he's basically going to it's going to feel like he came through the chaos in a sense, as opposed to truly beat people where where this gets lost for me is that AJ Styles is exactly who I would want to take the WWE and sit it on his back. Absolutely. And let him exactly. F and carry that thing for the next three to but you five have years. to elevate him and this doesn't elevate him. bingo. And that's where that's where I'm falling apart because the logic makes no sense. The fact that they haven't elevated him to that, dare I say, Cena superstar level status because he is sure. And I, if it were me doing this, I would just hand him the WWE on his back and say, "Go, go get." And him, I champ. think that's a fairly conventional wisdom. It's not just you thinking that. Yeah. That is that is kind of the conventional wisdom because a lot of people see what a superstar he is. Uh, and in addition, my my other issue with the fatal five way idea here is not only do we have a pay per view on Raw where everyone's fighting everyone, it's just a you know going to be a massive cluster. You then, you, then you do it again over on SmackDown. You have a, a overstocked main event. Uh, we had a great fatal five way earlier this year with the guys over on Raw, and yep. that ended up being a great match. Yep. And I have a feeling that this will end up being a great match as well. But coming out of it. Aside from AJ retaining and then going on to face Nakamura at WrestleMania and then uh, starting a feud between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in this match somehow where they get a miscommunication, they're obviously not on the same page as we've established this week. They're still having backstage disagreements. Uh, they're they're still on a path to have a feud. Um, but aside from them establishing that feud in this match, I don't see what you're going to be doing with Corbin and Ziggler after this match. Uh, you could put them in a program. Purpose? You could put them against each other. Who's going to be the face? Ziggler's been a heel for a long time now. He, Corbin's been a heel for a long time now. They're both. I would argue that uh, that Ziggler was better as a face, but they've done so much at making him a heel. I don't know if you take him back to being a face already. So that's very a big show booking. Yeah, if they you will. spent him almost a, a year now building him into this. Uh, Although I do feel with his entrance with like the the record scratch and then the black screens and then the spotlights and he walks out. This time they're kind of easing his. They're easing his entrance music back into it. I don't know if you noticed that. Like well, it's, it was he walked out to nothing. Right. And then it kicked the music and he kind of smiled and went almost like I'm back. Right. And that's why I, that's what I'm saying. I feel like he's easing it back into he's bringing back around to a more of a face. Yeah. yeah. So like I can see that he's saying, yes, I still did this you know, program early in the year where I didn't want to have big entrances and I was spouting off you know, every week about how horrible entrances are. And now he's kind of like slowly coming back into having his entrance again. Nice try. Nice experiment with the heel Ziggler stuff last year. It didn't work no, out. Terrible experiment. I, it was, uh, it was an experiment. I, I like the, the ambition and the, uh, the willingness to try it. Didn't work. Let's go back to face Ziggler it because that's where he shines. It didn't work from the start. At no. no point did it work except for once he actually got into the matches with Ruining Bobby Roode. Nakamura's debut into the WWE. But, Lord, you know. <laughs> Lord have mercy. That was, and that was even before he went completely off the rails with his character. Right. But uh, but to, to make a point here, both he and Corbin, because they were facing Sammy and Kevin, who have been established as such heels for the last few weeks now, they both got, got uh, cheered. I heard chants for Corbin in the Kevin Owens match. Ziggler was getting cheered. He was definitely working face. It was really interesting to see Sami Zayn work heel in this match because it's it's a very different style for him. Uh, you know, uh, heels tend to not have the big flashy moves. Yeah. They don't power up the way that the faces do, right? They don't have the comeback fire or whatnot. 
And to see him work a more kind of smash mouth style was was really interesting. He's actually quite talented at it for a guy who has literally never in his 10-year career worked that way. So I know he's unfamiliar with it, and I thought he did a good job this this week. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll see what comes out of that beyond Elimination Chamber. There's still a lot going on surrounding that whole thing. It continues to develop, and I don't think we're anywhere near being done. I think we're going to take that story all the way to Mania. Sure, and and real quick, just to, just to put a cap on it. Yep. As much as we're down on a lot of the general aspects of this, the specific things that are going on are still entertaining. Yeah. The matches were good. The promos were good. Uh, a lot of the acting was good. A lot of the like the little character work. Daniel Bryan is still doing great character work. There's a lot of little things that are really good here. It's just overall not gelling and not feeling like a big enough deal. Yeah. And there's and it's it's just I, again I can't put my finger on what exactly is wrong. Yeah. Something is wrong. Well, next let's head over to the women's division because we had a match that I have a lot to say about. Ooh. Uh, I am gonna last week I'll tease this a little bit by saying last we've had this running theme for the last few weeks where Charlotte has been having standoffs and face offs with the Riot Squad, Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan, and Liv Morgan, right? The the teenage mean girls. <laughs> Uh, last week, she faced off against Liv Morgan. Uh, this week, uh, as I as I remember talking about uh, last week on the show, uh, we got the Sarah Logan versus Charlotte, which I predicted would be a much different match. You were correct. I was correct. And first of all, there were some pretty scary botches in this match. You thought those were botches? I thought they were botches. I, some, I felt like the match was like a little Charlotte's sloppy. Charlotte's not but... as strong as she may think she is, throwing <laughs> a big girl around like that. Uh, Sarah's, and Sarah's a big girl. Um, not Nia Jack's big, but she's definitely got some, you know, she's got a little little heft. I saw some throws and some over-the-head stuff that was a little bit scary. Oh, so it was definitely I, more of a power match. It was yeah. a, a power style slobber knocker <laughs> match, and I dug it. I thought that there was a little bit of slop in there, but overall, I liked the brutality of it. Yes, it was hard hitting. These girls were going for it. It to me, it felt almost like like now that we're watching the Olympics, and I've been watching women's hockey in the Olympic in the Olympics. It felt almost like a hockey fight, like just two girls who are not afraid to get physical. That's what this felt like to me. I liked it a lot. I don't know how I feel about uh, Sarah Logan's dreads. It was, it was kind of it made me think of her as like Brea Logan or <laughs> Sarah Sarah Wyatt. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm still coming up with my bad jokes for that. But but no, this was I I I liked this match a lot because there was a lot of spots that also I thought were really uh, like you you saw some some botches. I felt like it was just a little sloppy. But there, in the other sense, there were also some really good athletic spots. Sure, and there was some really really well done spots, especially the finish where uh, Charlotte gives her natural selection uh, move to Sarah Logan and just spikes Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan takes it like she's like an or like RVD. Yeah, she just goes right up on her head like she's getting spiked into the canvas. It looked great. Yes, it, it looked did. like a finishing move. So, yeah, I, I definitely thought this was a big improvement on the match from last week. Well, we before this match started, it came, the, the Riot Squad came out as a threesome. And to counter that, Charlotte came out with uh, herself, by herself first. But all of a sudden, Becky Lynch joins her and Naomi comes out to join her. So now we're going to end up with another three-on-three tag match what? next week. What? To, like when's, when are we are they building this so that Charlotte faces Ry- Ruby Riot at Fastlane? Is that what this is coming down That's to? That's a long way away <laughs> when she's been doing this week after week and she's been dominating the Riot Squad the entire time. I'm not sure why because last week remember she beat Liv Morgan, went to the announcers and said two more to go. This week she beat uh, Sarah Logan, went to the announcers and said one more to go and then they cut to Ruby Riot looking worried. 
and then now we get a tag match next week. It's like were the other women just not doing enough? Like they have they've had nothing for anyone else to do. Which which by the way, we did say we wanted to have a one woman pro- program going on, and we were getting that for a while. And it it is kind of sad that they can't have a, a secondary women's program going on. You know whether that's Naomi versus another member of the Riot Squad or whatever, yeah. or any any other person in here, Carmella, huh? Can we get a Carmella versus Naomi? Thun? I don't know, or Becky, whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't understand why we're getting a three woman match next week. Now, I have to say they made a big step forward this week in making the Riot Squad look a little bit more legitimate because Sarah Logan did really take it to Charlotte, which uh, Liv Morgan was not able to do last right. week. Um, I'd if, love to see a Becky and versus Liv kind of match. You know, spin this off. I think Becky and Ruby are a better match sure, than Charlotte. I'd, I'd be all over that. Than Charlotte and Ruby or Charlotte and Liv, just because of how they look in the ring. Uh, like like we've been complaining about, Charlotte looks like a full grown woman, and with the possible exception of Sarah Logan, the other two girls look like children compared to her. <laughs> Uh, and even Becky and Naomi next to Charlotte, like everyone, that, that's just Charlotte. She has even that. Rick standing next to her <laughs> looks small compared to Charlotte. She's so big. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, Rick's not as big as he once was any either. Sure, but sure. St- but you, yes, you're absolutely correct. Charlotte is, you know, she is when she says she's genetically superior. She's got a claim to that. She's got pretty damn good genes right there. Uh, and which is why I hope that the sooner the better we get someone who looks good in the ring with Charlotte happens. Yeah. Uh, because right now there really isn't really isn't anyone. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Ruby versus Charlotte because they're they're obviously building to that for something. If you have Ruby go out there and you know, kind of like Vince was was reported to have said to AJ Styles, is you're undersized. You have to go out there and be a pit bull. If you have Ruby do that against Charlotte and really book it so it's convincing, like and Ruby can work that way. We've mm-hmm. seen her do that in NXT. Yeah, where she can work like an animal. She can just look like she's just hungry for that win. Uh, and if you turn that heel and then make it so that she'll do anything and really make her vicious, I think it could work, but that's not how they've booked the riot squad up until now. Yeah. So fingers crossed with the women's division over on SmackDown. Well, I think we're, we're doing the six, six way tag as a way to just prolong until we get that final match. And I, I'm, if I'm predicting right, it'll probably be at fast lane. So maybe for the women's championship or the SmackDown women's championship, who knows? Uh, next up, speaking of championships, we headed over to Bobby Roode reinstating the U.S. United States Championship Open Challenge. Well, well trying, trying to reinstate the universal, the, the U.S. Open Challenge, trying to, and then uh, as he calls out the guy who gave him a RKO out of nowhere last week, sure enough, Randy Orton answers the challenge, comes out, we're about to have a match, and then Jinder Mahal interrupts them and comes out. And gives a promo, and they give promos back, and it's all very awkward and weird and makes no sense. And then Randy RKO's the Singh brother, and then Jinder colosses both of them and stands tall. And that was the segment. Huh? Hmm. I had such high hopes. I may be being preemptive about this. I had such high hopes for Bobby Roode's U.S. title run, and this is not giving me what I want. No. <laughs> and I think it's because they're putting him against the wrong people. Absolutely, that's really what it comes down to. I, 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 I mean, so, Randy Orton and gender. Really, I mean, again, really. Okay, Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton. I could get behind if you actually gave me a good build for it. Uh, Bobby Roode versus gender. We've seen it. Bobby Roode versus uh, gender versus Randy Orton. We've seen way too much of it. Um, and it's telling when gender Mahal 
gives the best promo of these three guys in this segment. He came in and gave a very fun, very felt very loose uh, promo and had good audience reactions, everything. And then Randy felt stiff as a board, rude, looked like he forgot his lines. Like it was the whole thing was just awkward as hell. I can't get behind and the it. Whole, here, oh, I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. But yeah. Real quick. Another aspect of this that made me insane is that what, how Jinder said his stuff was great. What he was saying made me pull my damn hair out because the whole segment, remember last week we were talking about the quote unquote top 10 list, the SmackDown top 10 list, right? Where the superstars quote unquote voted for who's the, the top person, whatever the hell that means on SmackDown. And Jinder's whole point was ha ha ha. Bobby Roode is five and J- and Randy Orton, you're number nine. <laughs> Randy doesn't make you feel like an asshole. That was the whole point of this, like this weird, stupid high school crap was the whole point of this segment and making these guys have a feud. Really? I can't get behind anything Randy Orton does anymore because I, I feel no passion or drive in his desire to go forth and chase something or chase someone or get back at someone in classic Orton fashion. It just feels like a mercenary. It feels like he's being sent out to do a job every single time he goes out to do something. Not, not in the colloquial term, but literally like going out, do your job and come back. Exactly. Yeah. Whether it's put somebody over or go out there and, and you know, pretend, play, play house, Randy. He's had you know? moments of being exciting and, and like, like looking like he likes what he's doing, but he did not look like he liked what he was doing tonight. No. And, and and you could feel it. Sure, of him just, sneaking in and RKOing somebody for a hot spot for a crowd reaction. I mean, what's what's he, well? And Bobby uh, called that out. He's like, you know, maybe you're number nine because we're awful sick of you going around RKOing people. And then he just goes and RKOs the thing, and you know, this fight breaks out. Imagine but, that. But here's the thing: is that's the only exciting thing Randy does anymore, Bobby. You know what I mean? Can't be too mad at him for that. But at the same, at the, okay, so just to put a cap on this particular segment, uh, you know, this looks like it's going towards a three-way at Fastlane for the U.S. title. We've seen it. Not excited about it at all. Another aspect of SmackDown where I feel like you have the talent, we're just not being presented the talent in a way that makes us excited about it. And while I'm on it, how dare they have an episode of SmackDown on Rusev Day that does not include Rusev? What the heck is going on? I don't what, know. Really? Okay. Hold well, on. every day is Rusev Day. Well, Let's uh, be clear. We, obviously, right. Nick, that's the point of the... Come on, man. Get on my level here. <laughs> the, okay, let me have a quick rant here about Rusev. How much must it suck to be WWE and have a talented superstar organically get over to the insane level that Rusev has gotten himself over with the, with the help of Aiden English... Uh, but also just through his natural charisma, he has gotten over to this level where he is selling so much merchandise, they can't keep it in stock. People are chanting Rusev Day on both brands whenever anyone mentions anything about an open challenge or an opportunity. What, what, how much must it suck to be WWE and have that happen to you? Because they obviously don't think it's worth chasing down. You know how many promoters would kill to have a guy get that over without them lifting a finger? Yeah. And WWE cannot, for some reason, change direction or, or be nimble enough to change their booking to take advantage of this groundswell. These things don't last forever. Rusev Day is a funny joke, but it's going to get stale pretty quick. Yeah. Why are you not taking advantage of this right now? 
Don't well, know. Like, like, I, I, it's, it's, I'm being sarcastic when I say, oh, I feel bad for WWE for having this problem, obviously. Because this is, this is one of those things that just makes you want to pull your freaking hair out when you see them have something drop into their lap like this that they could just run with and have such a big crowd reaction sell so many tickets with. The whole point's putting butts in seats. Yep. You've got something this, something this over. Why not say, okay, these things aren't working. You love hotshotting at WWE, so hotshot. You know? Work with this. Go with this. And this is not just me because I'm a Rusev, Mark. This is me as, a, as, a, as someone from a business standpoint saying, this is business. Make a good business decision. How could you not have Rusev in that you know, U.S. title picture? at all? You're going to pick Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal over He was Rusev. in the title picture for one week, and he lost clean, and now he's out. And we have no idea what they're going to do with him. Hopefully, hopefully, I will eat my words next week, and they will have a fantastic program for Rusev to go forward with. But somehow, I think I'm not going to be eating my words. Well, hey, last couple of things here to wrap up SmackDown Live. Uh, The New Day came out and had a segment with Gable and Benjamin over pancakes because it was International Pancake Day. Was it really? I think it was just Fat Tuesday, and they just made it International Pancake Day. I think it was National Pancake Day. Okay, well, you think they'd have a lot bigger deal with how much they love pancakes. I don't know, a giant table with 3,000 pancakes on it? And Big E trying to eat them all and set the world record very half-heartedly, I have to say. Uh, And then Gable and Benjamin coming out. Now, here's the thing. Here's a segment where it was just horribly written and wildly awkward and very cringy, but goddamn, everyone in the in the ring was so charismatic and yep. so funny. I just did not care. I, this classic like WWE performers making gold out of shit right here. Or out uh, of pancakes in this instance. Uh, shitty pancakes. Yes. Yeah. Now this this was a, a fun segment. It turned into a match between the New Day and uh, and Gable and Benjamin, which was also a very good match. Once again, Chad Gable proving that he may in fact be God. He may be a Greco Roman God. He uh, every move this guy does is executed perfectly. He did a front rolling kick that might be the best one I've ever seen in my life. He was able to suplex like like full on roll gut, roll gut through German gut wrench suplex. Big E. Big E. Whoa. What, what the hell, dude? <laughs> Absolutely insane uh, moves in this match. Uh, Gable and Benjamin, once again, screwed by the ref. The ref did not see them tag. And in the confusion, the New Day pick up the win. I just have one question for this segment. Okay. Who is hiring these SmackDown referees? <laughs> they never see anything. Who? Who? How hey, many? Shane. Damn it, Shane McMahon. Shane, the guy who was such an awful referee this last August. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm joking in kayfabe here, but no, seriously, we've had so many bad ref spots in the last few months on SmackDown. Find another booking way to book this. Yeah. Find another way to get out of these matches besides referee screws up. I thought you were going to say find some different refs, and I was going to say, no, find some new creative that's not you <laughs> right. know, crutching on this bad ref misstep kind yeah, of thing. I'm all for having the ref screw up spot every once in a while or something something weird going down with the ref, but you've done virtually the same spot <laughs> three times in the last month. It's so bad. Come on, man. I mean, it's one thing if you make it. It's happened twice to Benjamin and Gable. Uh, so maybe we can get some sort of plot out of that, but the, but it's just happening too much. Yeah, you know, the, 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 come on, find something new. When a plot twist becomes a running trope of of, of something, it's not fun anymore. Agreed. And speaking of running tropes that I'm completely sick of, whenever the Usos give a promo and the little like After Effects words pop up on screen along with them saying it, and they started I, doing it on Raw this week too. Oh, it's terrible! Stop it! 
Stop oh. it. Stop it. I am so glad that this segment ended. The, uh, the Usos in a, in a misty hallway talking uh, harsh words about how they're the best in the tag division and all the little words pop up on the screen. I'm so happy this, this, this ended with us realizing that this segment was basically a camera filming a TV and the segment ended with the TV getting smashed by the hammers of the Bludgeon Brothers and then they just kind of stand there looking blankly in the distance like, we're mad. Um, I'm so happy this ended that way because that's exactly how I felt about the segment too. Yeah. Like I was like, wow, Bludgeon Brothers just became face for me. Uh, yeah, so we're leading up to the Bludgeon Brothers and the Usos at some point. We got four more goddamn weeks. How are we? Is it just four? Just four I weeks. I thought it was like five or six. No, it's four weeks. It's March 11th is, uh, oh, is Fastlane. That's like an eternity uh, in WWE three, time. 3.11. 3.11. I'm very fond of that day and not because of the band, but uh, uh, I have a feeling 3.11 is going to be a very fun day for me this year. Mm, and it's amusing. Anyway, uh, no, so th- this is the thing. So we've got a long ways to go. And this is this feud is barely it's barely moving, and we really haven't seen any real kind of charismatic interaction between these two teams. We haven't seen the Bludgeon Brothers actually face a legit team yet, have we? They've all just been like local jumper squashes. Yeah, I don't think Bludgeon Brothers have ever actually sold a move. <sighs> okay. Well, hey, do, do they have enough storyline for overall to keep going for the next four weeks is my question. I think we're going to find out in uh, the next few weeks. But I, I can it feels only, like an eternity. It does feel like an eternity. I can only hope that SmackDown picks up as we get closer to the pay-per-view and things start solidifying because right now we are, we are in the boonies. How, how do we get through four weeks of a fatal five-way for the WWE Championship? Are you going to start having like Owens face? Individual six? matches, uh, tag matches, the usual kind of crap. Yep. Well, hey, guys, uh, that's it for SmackDown Live, but we've got to head over because we've still got a lot to talk about. Let's do some noteworthy notes. All right, well, starting with NXT, we had a couple of big matches on the show this week and setting up for some feuds. First off, we had the long-awaited Roderick Strong versus Pete Dunne for the United Kingdom Championship match, and it was as good as we thought it was going to be. Yes. It was, it was fantastic. It, I, I didn't even need entrances. I didn't need anything. I knew this match, once they got inside the ropes, was going to be fantastic. They spent half the match outside the ropes, uh, which this thing delivered. If yep. you did not watch NXT this week, this is one of the matches to go watch it for. Both of these guys' style works really well together. Unsurprisingly, Roderick Strong did not pick up the victory here. I, I, there, no one. Neither but, did his fingers, by the way. Oh, well, Pete Dunne loves popping those fingers. Him and Marty Skrull, man. And it, I don't know. Is it something with the UK style where they just love popping fingers? Yeah, a lot of heels like to pop fingers over <laughs> progress and ICW. And whatnot. No, but it, yeah, so th- th- this was a match. I didn't think Roderick was going to win this. Another big match he, he couldn't win. I think this is going to become part of his character until he does win the big match, and it'll be a big, big baby face moment for him yeah uh or i mean you said last week that you've looked ahead across the tapings uh is is he full-time in 205 live at this point with after his match last week well i looked ahead in nxt uh, but i don't know about 205 live we'll get to 205 live in a second i've got some thoughts on on roderick strong over there uh but yeah pete dunn holds on we don't know what his next championship match will be he's he's coming up if he hasn't already surpassed it on holding the championship for a year so mm, there, it's coming up on a time when they really have to get something going in the UK division. Uh, that's a belt they should really push a lot more. Obviously, most of the guys over there are cruiserweights, so maybe they could fold it into the cruiserweight division somehow. Hmm. They're starting to get some of those UK guys in the cruiserweight division in 205 Live. Yeah. So that would be something that would be nice. It is the best-looking belt in WWE, in my opinion. It's pretty. So I'd like to see it a lot more. Reminds me of the old WCW. I think it's the tag team belts that kind of look similar to it. 
uh, from the early 90s. Yeah, so, no, it's, yeah. It's, it's pretty. Speaking it's nice. of pretty, Velveteen Dream uh, has a match next week against Ho- No Way Jose, which I have no doubt that he will win. Yep. And then he also, speaking of the British guys, called out Tyler Bate. Uh, said he's five foot nothing and he needs to meet the dream. Uh, I'm down for that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, little little Tyler Bate against big old crazy Velveteen Dream. I'm in. Delicious. Yeah. Uh, speaking of delicious, Killian Dane, mm, my favorite furball. He came out while Alistair Black was having uh, one of his Bray Wyattish promos <laughs> and uh, basically called him out, said, you, can, you aren't going for the championship until you go through me. So it looks like the number one contendership for the, the, the championship, uh, probably for the match that we'll see it take over around WrestleMania time, will be uh, Killian Dane versus Alistair Black. In. Totally in. Uh, where's Lars Sullivan? Still, all I, I, all I, I say. So I, I actually went and looked at his Twitter account before we started recording today, and the last thing he put up was on it. It obviously wasn't him. It says Lars, Lars Sullivan is dumb, dumb man, dumb man. Yeah, on February fourth. So it's now today's the fifteenth. We we have no idea where Lars Sullivan is. He's still in the opening crawl for the show. You know, I mean, <laughs> okay. you know, his picture's still there. Uh, yeah. So opening crawl, I immediately thought Star Wars and like him crawling across the screen. Anyway, sorry, it's That's a dark time for Lars's rebellion. Yes. I don't know. Oh That's boy, terrible. Lars, All right, Lars strikes back. Let's keep going. The return of the Sullivan. All right. Uh, the TM61 faced off against John Schuyler and Andrew Duckworth. A couple of couple of jobbers. Yeah. Uh, which then they jobbed out pretty quickly. I fast uh, forwarded through this match. Uh, you shouldn't have. TM61 looked really good. Much more of a gr- an aggressive style for them. Okay. They're going a lot faster. They're hitting a lot harder. I After the way they presented them as being kind of happy-go-lucky guys in their return segments, yeah. I don't think they're going to turn them heel, but they definitely are looking a lot more high impact. So that could be leading them into a title hunt against Undisputed Era. Uh, they definitely have to look like they're a lot more of killers to face off against uh, the top of the division. So mm-hmm. definitely, I, definitely I'm going to need heavy somewhere. machinery to get this chance before TM61 does. All right, calm down there, big boy. Oh. Uh, and another match, one that I, for me kind of, I, I kind of figured what I was going to get out of this because of the uh, timing of the show. I had five minutes, 55 seconds left of NXT, and it was time for Ember Moon versus Shayna Baszler, part two. And I was like, there, there's something screwy here. Yeah. We're not having a four-minute match between these two. Yes, we did. We had a four-minute match between Ember Moon and Shayna Baszler because Baszler targeted Ember's uh, not-quite-healed arm and uh, started taking her, taking the task to her outside the ring uh, until Kyrie Sane. Remember last week we were talking about where's Kyrie Sane? Well, we found her. She was hiding out and waiting for Ember to get beaten down enough for Shayna Baszler uh, to to get on her radar, and out she came. Yes, and delivered a mat. We didn't get an elbow spot, that beautiful elbow spot, but we did get a nasty spear. For somebody as small as she is, yeah. man, she can deliver a spear. I've said in the past, I can't stand the spear as a finishing move or as a big move because typically it looks like crap. Yep. People sell it like crap. Like Few people do the spear really well. Roman does it well. Uh, Rhino, obviously one of the best in the Edge. business. I hate Edge's spear. What? I hate Edge's spear. Okay. I, he, I, he always we'll looked too. That offline. He looked too willowy to to ever yeah. pull it off. Yeah. But Kyrie Sane is someone who should not be able to do a spear as well as she delivered this one. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we found now we know where Kyrie is. So I personally, because they were kind of saying that Ember's got to take time to heal up, quote unquote. We'll get a little program between the two finalists of the May Young Classic, and it might end up in a three way over at uh, at Takeover. I'm wondering if Ember's hurt again. Oh, I don't think she's legit. No, I don't okay. think it's legit. No. Uh, I, I one thing I wonder about her character though is the fact that they keep making her look extra reckless. Yeah. You know, she's got an injury and she does a suicide dive outside. Proper suicide too through the bottom rope. Oh, so. really? Really good one. Yeah. 
Really good suicide dive, uh, overselling the arm again, as <laughs> she likes to do, but it made her look like she's she's reckless. And I, I don't know if that helps her character or not. Yeah, I think this will develop more and more. Obviously, there are people out there that have looked at this stuff. Please don't tweet me what the results are going to be because I'm intentionally not looking at that stuff. Yeah, so. like like the match we have for next week, which is Johnny uh, Gargano. Uh, uh, Johnny Gargano. You know that they promoted this on the oh, show. Oh, Johnny okay. Gargano versus Sienna Almas for the yes. championship. If Johnny loses, he leaves NXT. Career That's, match. That is next week that's gonna be a big one well hey also on the network this week we had another episode of 205 live which you told me i absolutely had to watch this week unfortunately it was too late that's okay i didn't get to see all of it i'm gonna say this right now 205 live has now become part of my must watch week for wwe really much like nxt where i just kind of i have to watch it because of the quality 205 Live, after the last few weeks of what they've been doing, what they're doing with the tournament, what they're doing with the characters, what, whatever Triple H has gotten up to with this, with, with this show, he is doing it freaking right. We are back to having wrestling-based characters. We're back to the kind of characters we saw in the CWC. We're now these over-the-top gimmicks. Uh, everything that uh, Rockstar Spud, Drew Maverick, is a fantastic GM. I'm loving the character work that he's doing, the interactions he's having with the wrestlers, the superstars. It's fantastic. This week on the show, we had another uh, another couple of matches for the tournament to determine who was going to be the cruiserweight champion. Uh, this week, we had uh, Akira Tozawa versus Mark Andrews, who came out of... Yeah, we haven't seen him in the cruiserweight division in a long time. Um, and it was a it was a very fun match. Mark I, Andrews picked I up the win. I did get to see this one. Yep. And he did that crazy. I was calling it like a standing red arrow, but you had another name it's, for it's it. It's not dissimilar. It's a, it's a standing corkscrew moonsault. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's insane to be able to do that. I crazy. thought Apollo Cruz's moves were insane. I, I'm not a huge Mark Andrews fan. But it's mostly because I hate pop punk. Yeah. And he's, he's in a pop punk band and comes out to his own <laughs> pop punk song. And it drives okay. me absolutely insane. But the guy can go. He beats Tozawa. He moves on. I thought that was a good choice. Um, also on 205 Live, uh, I, I have to talk about this. This was my match of the week. Oh, really? Okay. So, and this was the match that for me, I went, okay, I have to watch 205 Live now. We've had some great matches the last few weeks. Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese. First of all, this had a great storyline build up to it where these guys have been tag team buddies. They've been friends. They've been falling out lately. And this was their final fallout where they were like, cool, we're going our separate ways. We're going to have a match. Winner gets to go on in, in, in the tournament. And Drew Gulak, as, as we've said before, is one of our favorites on 205 Live. The character work that he did when he was being forced to do all the stupid gimmick shit was really fun, and he was really good at it. But if you remember the Cruiserweight Classic, he came in as a killer. Yeah. He was the scary guy. He was who a big dude. Tear you apart. Yeah. He, could, he could rip your arms off. This was the match where he went from haha, funny PowerPoint presentation, Drew Gulak, to hey, remember me? I kill people. He, he, and it was a long match, hard-hitting match. Tony Nese is amazing. Tony Nese did a freaking Fosbury flop, which I haven't seen the WWE in, uh, that I can remember. He did a Fosbury flop, landed on his damn feet. That guy's a freak. <laughs> Unbelievable match. Total athleticism, great moves. The audience did not deserve it. They were kind of dead for most of it, but even they got on their feet at the end when Drew Gulak got such a beating by Tony Nese that he lost his damn mind and beat the utter crap out of Tony Nese until the ref had to stop the match because Tony Nese basically died. It was one of those moments where I, I felt like Ralph Wiggum, stop it, he's already dead! 
Stop. By God, he's killed him. It, I think he actually did. Tony Nese was dead at the end of this match. Drew Gulak beat him to an inch of his life and then put on the dragon sleeper and it was over. <laughs> this was a Drew Gulak lost. Like literally he went mad at the end of this match. I was so happy to see this. The return of the evil Drew Gulak. I, for one, welcome our new Gulakian overlord. Well, hey, I, I didn't really start watching NXT until uh, Kevin Owens made his debut on the main roster with the NXT Championship, but I, I didn't quite put all together. Who's this Buddy Murphy guy, for those of us that don't know uh, who he is and where he comes from? Yeah, Buddy Murphy got announced to be coming to 205 Live in this tournament. So Buddy Murphy, uh, uh, they're calling him the greatest secret uh, I think this is this is this is a really cool angle. So Buddy Murphy used to be a tag champ in NXT with uh, Wesley Blake, who you and I saw over in Riverside in a new tag team they haven't debuted yet on TV. Um, they were tag champs when Alexa Bliss was their manager valet yeah. thing. He's in a relationship with Alexa Bliss in real life uh, until Braun Strowman, you know, finally kills him. We'll we'll see if that actually yeah. happens. Um, but uh, but no, in all seriousness, Buddy Murphy. Uh, they did a promo this week where he cut weight to get down to two hundred four point four. <laughs> So that he was legitimately into in two hundred five live. Sure. This guy got so cut. He makes he might be on Tony Nese's level in terms of cut at this point. Damn. Um, I think this is a brilliant addition. The, That's the tough guy to say. Go, Tony Nese has abs on his quads. Have you seen the shape that Buddy Murphy has gotten himself into? Oh, he's, he's an Aussie. Uh, he's he is in freakish shape right now. Wow. Uh, and I think he's he's cleaned up his look. He's changed his look a little bit. I'm really excited to get him into the cruiserweight division really really quick before we move on in case you're just coming into this cruiserweight championship tournament these are the guys who are still in it uh you have cedric alexander Kalisto, tjp roderick strong mark andrews drew gulak and then next week uh we're going to see matches between uh, gentleman jack gallagher and mustafa ali and then we of course we've got uh, Arya davari versus as we said buddy murphy so we have some really strong contenders to be the next championship among these guys left over. Obviously, you and I would like to see Cedric Alexander get to the finish. Yep. Um, I'd have to actually go look at the tournament brackets. They haven't really released who's fighting who yet uh, to figure out. I, I think, which I think is smart, by the way, because we can handicap based on booking decisions. Uh, like yeah. who we think is going to win certain the bracketology matches. of it. You can yeah. really, yeah, it's a little easier to figure that out. Um, I'd love to see Drew Gulak, fa- mean Drew Gulak, facing a Cedric Alexander at or WrestleMania. Rod- Roderick Strong, Drew Gulak. Uh, I want to see that. You know match. where I stand on Roderick Strong. So it's, you love him when he's in the ring. You like to say Roderick Strong because you do. hate him on the mic, but you love him when he's in the I ring, just, buddy. I just hate the trailer Every park time. story. You know. Uh, well, then get over it and watch him in the <laughs> ring because that him and Drew Gulak could be great. Anyway, so we got a lot of great talented guys going forward in this. I think we'll get nothing but classic matches between now and WrestleMania. If you're not watching 205 Live, now is the time to check back into it. And if you're at a live show, by God, wake your ass up, stick around, and check out 205 Live because these guys are back on track. Thank you so much, Papa Helmsley. Yes. I very much appreciate what you're doing with this brand. Well, hey, let's head over and talk about the Mixed Match Challenge and give it an update on that. This week, we had Rusev and Lana facing off against Bailey and Elias. Yeah, I like the fact that they're taking people that are married in real life and having them form teams. Bailey and Elias are married? No, Rusev and Lana. Oh, oh. oh. You son of a... (laughs) How dare you? Uh, Yeah, week five of the Mixed Match Challenge, uh, and this was a fun match. Lana, obviously, they're still playing her up like she can't really wrestle because she kind of can't. But they're having fun with it with this where she couldn't out-wrestle Bailey. So she ran outside of the ring and grabbed Elias' guitar and like made like she was going to go hit people with it. And you had Rusev screaming, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. And uh, Elias saying, stop it. What are you doing? And Lana just screaming out, I want to win. I want to win. It was a lot of fun. 
but Lana picks up the win. They won. This 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 is just a little bit of a spoiler because I do want to watch this. I haven't gotten to it yet. Full disclosure, but uh, this was a surprise to me. Uh, maybe this is what they've been doing with Rusev, as we were just ran, you know ranting about it over on SmackDown. Is is this where they're pushing him? Well, at, here's in the comedy sidekick kind of the thing. Maybe, maybe I definitely think that some of the stuff, the the YouTube stuff and, and Instagram stuff that you saw from Rusev and Lana building up to this yeah. was a ton of fun and definitely a little bit on the goofy side. Uh, but you know that's kind of been the case with all of the mixed match challenge. They're doing it for just complete you know shits and giggles almost. Yeah. Uh, looking at the bracketology, as we were just talking about 205 Live, they have released the bracketology for the Mixed Match Challenge. And I can tell you, looking forward at this uh, right now, so we've got week six. Next week, we've got uh, uh, Nia Jax and, and Apollo Crews versus Bobby Roode and Charlotte Flair. I think we can guess who's going to win there. Yeah. Also, because week one, we had a Raw team win. Week two, we had a Raw team win. Week three, we had a Raw team win. Week four, SmackDown. Week five, SmackDown. Week six, if pattern follows, uh, Bobby is it going to end foot. up being Raw versus SmackDown? Uh, it, I, have, I have a feeling it will be. But uh, so week seven, we've got Balor and Banks versus The Miz and Asuka. Week eight, we've got Strowman and Bliss versus Us- uh, Jimmy Uso and Naomi. And week nine, we have Rusev and Lana versus the winner of Apollo Crews, Nia Jax, and Bobby Roode, Charlotte Flair. So theoretically, huh. Rusev and Lana versus Roode and Flair. Yeah, which you know, I think that might be the end of the line for Rusev and Lana. There, I can't really see Lana going over Charlotte. No, might see Rusev get his win back against Bobby. I don't know, maybe, but uh, yeah. So I, I don't want to dwell on this right now. We'll obviously, as we move forward, we can handicap this a little bit more, and this could take a long time to, to go over. But uh, it is still a lot of fun. Uh, the mixed match challenge definitely worth a look. They're having a lot of fun with the things they're doing over there. So yeah. if you have an extra time after watching the other fourteen thousand hours of WWE, well, they're only TV, about twenty more minutes on Facebook Watch specifically. It's only true. about a twenty to thirty minute kind of investment. You can fast forward through a lot of the stuff that's in there. Yeah, that to. is true. It is a lot of fun to pick up on kind of a lot of the YouTube content they're putting out for it too. But it's yeah, it's good for like the subway ride or or sure. you know over breakfast or something. Right. Just pick it up. It's it, it's it is worth it. It's a lot of fun. All right, well, to close things out here, we have to talk about two of the, of the other promotions outside of the WWE. Uh, New Japan, what is going on on the other side of the planet, Ian? Well, it's actually kind of tragic that I've only got... We're this late in the show, and I haven't had a chance to talk about New Beginning in Osaka, which just happened this last weekend, because it was a fantastic, fantastic show. Another big show for them. We, I'll, I'll quickly go over some of the bigger matches. You had Tetsuya Naito face off against Yoshihashi in a Naito! match... Yeah, that's right. Naito girl, you're here too. Fantastic. Uh, I did not think this was going to be a good match, but I was surprised. Yoshihashi was very aggressive and brought out the real Tetsuya Naito. He was trying to be too tranquilo, and it ended up being a really hard-hitting match, and I was very surprised. It it definitely was better than what I had expected. Hmm. The best Yoshihashi, who I think is is more robotic than Roboteric Strong. (laughs) Okay. He's all the zero charisma. He looked fantastic. Uh, I think it's a bit of a step down for Naito. We'll see what happens next. Taichi attacked him after the match. I really don't want to see Naito versus Taichi because that just sounds terrible to me, but eh, whatever. Is Naito coming down after the Okada loss at Wrestle Kingdom? He seems like he's stepping down a little bit. I, I don't, or Either that, I just don't have anyone for him to really fight against. Yeah. I don't know. We feel the same way about Okada right now, but I'll get into that because we also had the junior heavyweight championship match between Will Ospreay and my boy, Hiromu Takahashi. This was the match I was waiting for the most on the show, and it Freaking delivered. Did Osprey come out as a cat? He did. He did. Okay. He kept, not only that, the promo video for it was just a cat with words next to it uh, <laughs> okay. talking about the match. I mean, th- th- yeah, these guys are they're great together. They know each other so well. 
you, I absolutely, if there's one match from this card you check out, this is the one you have to check out. It's ridiculously good. Osprey does pick up the win to retain, but it doesn't matter. Fantastic match. Just go watch it. Um, I got to touch on Hiroki Goto versus Evil for the Never Openweight Championship. I thought Evil might pick this one up, uh, but it makes sense. Goto ends up winning uh, after beating the outer, utter crap out of him. Because uh, he has to have a bit of more time with that belt. He just won it. He right. needs to hold on to it for a while. Uh, and then, of course, the big match, the, the main event, uh, uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Sonata for the heavyweight belt. This was uh, the best match I've seen Sonata in in a long time. I've wow. been kind of down on Sonata. He's been kind of boring to me. Uh, he was underwhelming in last year's G1. He hasn't really done much that's blown me away since then. This was where I went, oh, okay, that's that's what I should be expecting from him. I think Okada brought him up in this match. Great match. Also worth a watch if you're just if you've got time to pick it up on this show. Um after the whole thing, we did I do have to mention this. Okada cut a promo where he said he's gonna enter himself in the New Japan Cup, which is coming up. That's our next big thing that's going on. The champion doesn't usually come into that, so I think that's a way for them to find more matches from him, people who might beat him or t- take him to limit in the cup. Uh, we might get some more matches out of that. But the next big show, he challenged. He said, I got no one else to challenge right now, so I might as well challenge other champions, people who've proved they can go. He challenged Will Ospreay. Champion versus champion. Champion versus champion. I think that's a great idea, and I cannot wait to see those two guys go at it. Neither belt's on the line, so we could have a really interesting match. Well, I love the whole idea of uh, I've beaten Naito, I've beaten Omega, and now beaten Sonata. Is there no one else? Is there, is there no one else? It's from Tr- Brad Pitt from Troy. Is there uh, no one else? Yeah, and that, and I, I like I said earlier to you, off the show, Okada has a great line that he says, kind of like this heel-ish line, uh, which roughly translates to, uh, I'm, I'm looking for someone else to be a part of the future that I am building. <laughs> It's just that's just perfectly encapsulates him. Yeah. Uh, one more quick note about New Japan and Bullet Club news. As you know, Bullet Club recently had a big split up. Uh, they kicked out uh, Kenny Omega and it's just the, the elite. So it's a it's a whole thing going on there. Cody is now calling himself the official leader of the Bullet Club on Twitter. So it looks like that is okay. in some ways official. Cody now the new leader of the Bullet Club. Also on YouTube, you can find the Golden Lovers. Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega training up as a tag team. They're finding new tag team finishers together. That we are going to see them come back and have a a big run. I have a feeling that's that's a storyline they're going to push real hard uh, because they've invested so much in it. And Kenny Omega put WWE and everything else on hold just to do the storyline. Huh. So I'm very curious to, to see where they go with this. Me too. But hey, over on Ring of Honor, we're having the Women of Honor tournament featuring none other than Emma. Yeah, Tennille Dashwood, as, as she's known now in the indies and in Ring of Honor, made her debut this week to a huge pop. Uh, and she's going to be in the tournament for the championship over in Ring of Honor, which is, I think, a great move for her. Um, obviously, she still has got a lot of upside to her. And looking at the brackets, I'm I'm going to call it right now. Mayu Iwatani versus Tennille Dashwood in the finals. I, that's what I'm going to yeah. call right now. Now we can go into the actual like bracketology, breaking it down in coming weeks. We're running a little bit late on this show today, but yeah, I, I think it's an exciting news just to say that Tennille Dashwood, Emma, has ended up in Ring of Honor, and it looks like she's going to be a big deal over there. Well, hey, what's going on over at Powerbomb.tv and that whole skirfuffle? Uh, Yeah, with Adam Lash. So Adam Lash is one of the co-founders of Powerbomb TV. He got fired this week. This is actually a really big story I want to do a bigger segment on, so I'm going to actually save this because this this has got a lot of really just just ugliness and, and, 
and details I got to get into involving. Is this to like, do with Elgin and all his? Michael like, Elgin is yeah. involved, and con- just Kentucky wrestling laws and all kinds of crazy stuff. This is a story Holy we'll get smokes. back into. Okay, like <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, we'll get into all of this probably next week if we have a little bit of time. I'll get into this whole thing. It's it's really detailed and and, and deep and really messed up, but. Uh, yeah, Adam Lash out at Powerbomb TV. And meanwhile, New Japan signs Michael Elgin to a new two-year contract. Uh, what are you doing, New Japan? Uh, real quick, couple more notes. Progress 64 is going to happen. They booked Travis, Travis, Travis fucking Banks against GoBro Matt Riddle for the championship over in, over in uh, Progress. Uh, another note, Drew McIntyre over in Insane Championship Wrestling back in his home UK. They put him in the Hall of Fame this week. He went over there and was inducted into their Hall of Fame. So way to go, Drew. You very much deserve it. As Drew Galloway, of course. Yes. Um, not uh, William Wallace. Ha, 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 ha. Just kidding. Like, yeah, the only thing, you know, like him, only but, thing yeah. you know about Scotland is Braveheart. Way to go, right. buddy. Yeah, well, yeah, Braveheart and Haggis. That's Scotland. Uh, in other notes. Mojo- I can't understand anything else they say, so it's, it's hard. Shut up, Southern boy. All right. All right. So Rob, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, maybe coming to WWE, according to Mojo Raleigh, as he put on Twitter. He says, it's a, not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, if Baron Corbin can do it, why not Gronk? Why know? not Gronk? I mean, he, he might has a, he's a bit of a heavier hand than, uh, than Corbin due to the, all the excess rings. But uh, uh, also, Tamina just got surgery this week for a rotator cuff injury. It's the same injury that Jeff Hardy had. Uh, so she'll be out for about six to eight months. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh I'm sorry. that's just oh, that's just mean. Come that's on, just, man. That's Snooki's I never, daughter. I never wish a uh, 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 injury on anyone, but I gotta say that the program might be better for it oh. because because it, it every time she comes out, it feels so forced and contrived I, and shoved down my throat. It I wasn't just, entirely her fault. I don't think she was booked that well. Okay. All right, we gotta get out of the show here. I got two more notes. We're out. Mahabali Shara, I am pronouncing that totally wrong, uh, also known as Amanpreet Singh. He was a, a, a TNA wrestler. He was an impact wrestler. He has been signed to WWE, the fourth major Indian uh, acquisition that they have at the Performance Center. This guy's got a great look. I think he could, I mean, I don't, I've ever seen him wrestle that I can remember. I think he had a program with Grotto. I don't know. Hmm. But uh, I haven't seen him wrestle. He supposedly is going to be a great acquisition. Can't wait to see what they do with him. And then the final note, something I'm very happy about, Lucha Underground is going to be taping its season four very soon. Very soon? Yes. Two weeks, as a matter of fact, is when they start. <laughs> they released tickets this week. They were sold out in under five minutes. I could not click fast enough. You the know minute who, I got your text, I clicked, and it was unavailable, unavailable, unavailable. Well, it's a good thing that I'm a faster clicker than you are, my friend, because I got us two tickets yes! to the Saturday night recording of yes! Lucha Underground Season 4. Your boys at Busted Wide Open will be bringing you the dirt on the new Lucha Underground season, which, by the way, the, there is going to be a new temple if you follow Lucha Underground at all. Uh-huh. It's no longer in the temple because, as we all know, Dario Cueto is in jail on the show. He was last seen getting taken away in a cop car. The new one is now going to be at a cold storage place in downtown L.A. near Skid Row. Hell yes. So all about this. <laughs> Cannot wait. We will report back to you guys about our findings. Whatever. Should we survive the trip? Should we survive the trip? Yeah. Should we survive the trip? And also depending on what NDAs they make us sign, sure. et cetera, et cetera, sure. et cetera. We'll see what we can talk about. But we are very excited to bring you some reports about the new Lucha Underground. I am so excited about that because there has been opportunity after opportunity for me to get into Lucha Underground. And I've, I've just not been caught up enough 
to make that jump. I, I think this might be the thing. I'm very excited about about going to this and seeing this. And I'm just curious to see who's going to be there. Who, like, what wrestlers they still have? They've obviously lost Ricochet. Uh, I, I don't know who they're going to. I, I don't know if uh, Rey Mysterio is still going to be there. He's going to be wrestling, by the way, at Str- uh, Strong Style Evolved with New Japan. Mm-hmm. That's why he wasn't the uh, the two hundred five live. Yeah, we know that now. Yeah, yeah, he's down at, at uh, for New Japan down here in Long Beach. He'll be wrestling for that, which means he's still in L.A. So he could be still in Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. That could be cool. Well, hey, guys, ran a little bit long this week. There was just so much to go over and so much good wrestling content. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Hey, but come hang out with us on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Lots of great content going back and forth in there. Or come find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Send us a tweet. Say hello. Shout out to everybody that I interacted with in the last couple of weeks. Uh, To support us, you can also come over to the store, orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. Pick up some sweet swag to rock around with uh, to show your support for the show. And also, please go. Go check us out on iTunes. Hit the subscribe, like, share buttons. Give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, Give us some feedback. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you want to see us change and improve and make the show better for you guys. If you're on Android, go to our website, orbitaljigsaw.com, and use the podcast app of your choice to download us and listen to us every week. Absolutely. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at DatacenterDude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.